Welcome to Two Peas in a Pod. I'm Max Pisano. And I'm Joseph Pisano. Each episode we'll be talking real estate, banking and mortgages, sharing insights into the market and updates of the bank's view on mortgages and investment loans. And also give you an opportunity to ask questions to help you make a better informed decision. So let's get into it, shall we? Well guys, welcome. A warm welcome to you all. Joe, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Max. And today we have our very good friend, Jodie English, buyers and vendors advocate. How are you, Jodie? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, it's, uh, it's 100% our pleasure, Jodie. And um, so, folks, uh, we last time we connected was probably a few weeks ago. Uh, got some good feedback from that last podcast. So let's get straight into it. Um, of course, uh, we're going to share some of Jodie's insights today on buyers advocacy. But Joe, some of the big news um, today being uh, September the 6th, or Wednesday I should say, is that the the banks held interest rates at bay yesterday. Well, the Reserve Bank did. Well, the Reserve so, Bank, sorry. Um, <laughs> As always, <laughs> so Joe, reserve, stay corrected. Yeah. So the Reserve Bank um, didn't, inter- uh, or didn't increase its rates, so you'd expect the banks not to, but Max, that's not actually the case at the moment. Um what we're finding or what I've found in, over the last month is that the banks are struggling to make or to lift their margins because of the competition. And actually, it was reported the CBA over the last month has dropped a little bit of market share because it's refusing to um, meet some of the rates of the other banks. And uh, so what is happening or what we're finding, even though the interest rates haven't gone up, there are certain certain rates have gone up. And believe it or not, again, some investment loan type rates, they've actually come down. So it's, it's, it's a really mixed bag at the moment with rates. So, so what's happening with so the fixed interest rates? Have they dropped? They, we're finding that the banks are finding it or paying more for their money at the moment. So short term, um, over a period of time, the last little bit, they have gone up. A little bit, but it's not. It's not like it has been. It's only we're talking minor at the moment. So it's still out there. You can get good deals. You can still, well, relative to what has been out there, but the banks are definitely trying to um, increase their margins um, at the moment. But so, you know, with no interest rate hikes by the Reserve Bank, I think that changes the confidence level a little bit. People a little bit. I've noticed that. Um, a lot of the younger couples I've got and people that are, you know, reasonably seasoned are back in the marketplace now are starting to go, oh, maybe now's a good time, you know. Mm. Um, you know, that that has been happening, yeah. Well, I guess um, – well, what's your take, Jody? I mean, we're going to ask you some questions on buyers' advocacy, but just in general, what do you think this uh, – so it's three interest rate um, non-rises, for lack of a better word. Yep, How do you think this is going to affect the market? I have this year. I have seen a very strong buyer pool. The buyers, despite interest rate hikes and changes in interest rates, I have never seen such strength in the market from big buyer pools regarding low levels of stock. I mm. think that's probably been the, most, the biggest challenge: is all these buyers out there with 
a brief of what they want to buy and just can't find it. And it doesn't mean that when you go to an auction and you bid, you're not competing. You're actually competing against a lot of buyers regardless right. of the interest rate. So I think it's it's strong. So is it almost like um, maybe people are sort of adapting already to whatever the interest rate regime is at the moment? So the fact that it's on hold gives a little bit of confidence, but they've probably already established their um, their goals. They probably say, well, regardless, we're still going to continue to buy. Absolutely. I'm not seeing any um, any buyers uh, say, you know what, I'm not going to keep going for it. I, I want to buy. I just have to find the right property to buy that just hasn't kind of hit the market yet. So mm. I, I, even if they've had to go back for an additional pre-approval, they're still in the market to buy uh, regardless of interest rate hikes. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? And of course, inflation, I think, pulled back a little. Um, but yeah, it almost seems like uh, uh, we just got to wait and see. I think I, I tried to read uh, Lowy's um, brief, uh, but it's it's such a long one. But essentially, what they're saying is, look, just because we're on stay now doesn't mean we're going to still keep them on hold. Yeah, they're only in concerned about inflation. That's that's yeah. their big thing. If they see inflation going down. Um, then they'll bring the interest rates down until they see it, you know, you know, going down, down. Then it'll stay where it is, and it could even go up if inflation doesn't move. Mm. Even if it's got to start coming down. But you know, you, I think what people have got to remember: there are people been sitting on the sidelines for two years. That's that's right. Eighteen months, twelve months. Now those people, even though things have gone up. Um, they've been able to save extra money. So they're now getting decent-sized deposits. The ones that are, you know, good savers are, you know, coming in and saying, oh, we get it, we can't borrow as much, but look, we've got this much money now, and you sort of say, well, that's great because now, you know, you're putting more towards your property, yeah, which is fantastic. I, I totally see that. I, You know, there's people that I've come across that tried to buy in 2021. It was just... It was too competitive and they just gave up and continued to save yeah. and now they're back in the market for mm. in 2023. So, yeah, borrowing less but saving a bigger deposit for sure. Well, yeah, look, well, I guess give you a bit of a take on what's going out in the marketplace from my perspective, obviously mainly as a selling agent today. Um, perhaps another episode we'll talk a bit more about property management side. But it's quite interesting actually. You know, I, I once heard one of the uh, – Real estate coaches say that real estate's the uh, one of the only industries that you can go from the heights of exhilaration to the depths of depression in like twenty four hours. Because you know, I've seen, I've had auctions that have gone absolutely crazy, like two, three hundred grand over reserve, totally unexpected, and then other auctions in probably within about a two kilometer distance from that one without any bidders, um, and then. You know, solid buying around uh, you know, single dwelling, single level downsizer homes. So it's quite a mixed bag of of activity out there. At least from my perspective, being sort of, I guess, you know, more of an all area agent. So I don't deal specifically with one area, although I deal predominantly Bayside. So it, it's quite interesting. I think we're going to have to wait and see what happens over the next few months because, as Jody said, there's there's definitely buyers out there. Um, what I've found is that the demand is limited. Now, by limited, I say it's not like, you know, some of the, 
some of the past, say after COVID, where we had heaps and heaps of buyers and really solid demand. Yeah. The demand is definitely there, but it seems to be, um, you know, limited. For example, first open of a campaign, maybe 15, 20 buyers through. Second open, dwindle down to maybe 10. Third open, maybe five. So it's almost like the buy pull diminishes over time. Um, so, look, but I still think it's a, it's definitely a good market to sell in, uh, especially if it's a good quality product. Because you look around, guys. I mean, there's very few boards on the streets. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's. I think that's the biggest issue. There, there's no. There, we, we're not seeing yet these so-called forced auctions. You know, which um, they're not yeah, the cliff. Well, not even. Yeah, but they're not mortgagee auctions mm. because banks like to get them on the market quietly and just, you know, um, politely say, look, maybe you should sell because you're so far behind, but we won't – it's not a mortgagee auction. But we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and definitely we're expecting not. it. Yep. We're expecting it, but we, we haven't seen it. So oh, I, I just – and that's the problem with uh, the people that I've got um, that are – you know, got their pre-approvals in place and ready to go and they know where they stand and they're saying, um, yeah, that's nice, but I wouldn't mind having to look at a couple more, but they're not out there, you know, they're just not out there. So yeah. I think buyers are a lot more savvy in the current market than maybe they were in the 2021 market when it was more about the fear of missing out. Yeah. And so, therefore, the competition was so strong that they were prepared to um, extend. Yeah, they were prepared to extend, but they were also prepared to give up things that they would say now is their non-negotiable right. in their brief. Yep. You know, so they they were letting properties that weren't ideal for them; they'd still buy them yeah. because because it was just they just needed to buy. Well, I think. I think also with that, um, you know, you had brokers who, who, who account for 70% of the business, but, you know, 70% of loans now go through brokers and then through the banks. You had brokers back then that would just go, well, you know what, it, the money's cheap, yeah, another 20, another 30, another four, but that doesn't happen anymore. No. So they have to readjust. Yeah. they got to figure, as you say, and, they, and, and their competition's got to figure too. Yeah, so absolutely. it's not a runaway thing anymore. No, and I think that you know there's a lot of competition in the first home buyer space because everyone is wanting to have, um, you know, breaks on stamp duty. Uh, so it's very competitive at the six hundred thousand dollar range, you know. Uh, and if you've got more than that, then you're probably in a better position mm. than the than most. Well, that this is a good segue into your uh, uh, segment. Jody, because as you were saying earlier today, we had a, a, an excellent lunch together, the three of us, by the way, to say thank you to you guys for, for your help uh, in the last few months. But um, Jody, you deal predominantly, well, not predominantly, but uh, that sort of um, first home buyer? Yeah, I think. Mainly? Yeah, I do. I, I, I've dealt with so many different types of people. Uh, being a buyer's advocate, but I do specialise in first-time buyers and I think it's because they're the ones that need the most help. They need the most guidance. They need the most education. They need a lot of hand-holding and, you know, ultimately they don't want to be taken advantage of and I think how we've 
kind of, you know, tapped into that market is because we're offering a affordable flat fee. And most people think they can't afford a buyer's advocate. Uh, so they dismiss the concept because they actually don't really know what they're getting. Mm. But I think once, you know, you have an initial consultation and you understand what a buyer's advocate is doing for you, and I, and I give the analogy of what it's like in the rest of the world. There's nowhere you'd buy a property in America without having a, an agent represent you to negotiate as a buyer. For you. Represent as, you as yeah, a buyer. As, yeah, yeah, as a buyer. Like, I mean, that's that's just. I mean, France, Europe. I mean, it's the same. But it took a long time for buyer advocacy and buyers agents to gain traction here in Australia, and it's because I think maybe because of auctions. Um, but the thing is, with first time buyers. There's a lot of them out there and people are, you know, quite willing to have representation uh, if they know what they're getting, what value add I bring in that process. And I think that the definition of a buyer's advocate is really about offering someone uh, due diligence, making sure they're buying the right property at the right price, what their walkaway price should be, not being emotionally attached, uh, the fact that you know having a relationship with a with a selling agent can put you in a better position for off markets, uh, things that aren't going online that they're competing against. Uh, having that kind of exposure with a buyer's agent is not something they're going to get if they're just looking for stuff on realestate.com or domain. Yeah, so I think what you're saying too, Jody. I mean. Um, you can't just go out and be a buyer's agent. I mean, oh, look, I want a career, I want to be a buyer's agent. I mean, you've got to have years of experience and understanding the market and being on the real estate side to understand how everything works. And you brought up a really good point because I do tell my clients this, that um, one thing you said that's really interesting is that a young person, or most people, because you don't buy that many properties – they're not going to have a relationship with an agent that might say to them, look, there's something coming in off the market. Are you interested? We need a quick sale. Are you interested? And I suppose with your experience, knowing who these agents and worked with them and being them before, that puts them in a bit of a box seat, doesn't it? Well, I think what buyers need to understand, as much as the selling agent is telling them they're going to help them, Ultimately, they're working for the seller, yeah. the, for vendor. the vendor. Yeah, correct. And they have the vendor's interest at heart. They have the best price for the vendor. So if they see a first-time buyer uh, coming in, asking you know, questions and looking like they have no idea what they're doing but they're falling in love with the property, they understand what they're going to do with that buyer to try and get the best possible price for their vendor. So it's really levelling out the playing field and having representation and almost a layer of protection and having a partnership collaboration approach to buying mm. where I'm giving feedback and guidance and and helping them score a property out of 10 uh, and getting me involved when it's an 8, 9 or 10 so that I'm then reaching out to that agent. And nine times out of 10, I've already, I already know that agent. I can already... I had one this morning, called the guy up, going to auction on Saturday, said to the agent, hey, Dave, how are you going? It's Jody. Uh, look, I've got, a, I've got a buyer interested in this property. Tell me what's going on. It's about gathering the intel mm-hmm. about the motivation of the seller 
and asking the right questions to the agent. And the agent-to-agent experience is going to be very different than agent-to-buyer. Well, it's interesting because you said um, earlier on, you said that, um, I think your words were, they think that they can't afford a buyer's agent. Yeah. But it's almost like they probably can't afford not to have one. Right. Really. I think, just to elaborate on that point a bit further, is that, First-time buyers spend an enormous amount of time saving for their first deposit. And that's a huge, huge undertaking just to be able to afford your first property. And it could take five to eight, ten years. I've had people that were 50 years of age buying their first property in Melbourne. It's a big undertaking. So the fact that they don't want to spend part of their deposit on, on having representation as you know for a buyer's agent... Makes sense. So therefore, how can we represent them Mm. by offering a flat fee that's not eating into their deposit? Yep. So, well, I can say one thing. Uh, Having, uh, um, it's funny, as a a selling agent, we often, often, when a a buyer's agent is interested in a property, we we almost like um, we're excited because... uh, I think the way you just you've clarified a couple of things that that buyer's agent we know that they will earn an income if they buy. Now here's the thing: I've had you, Jody, bidding at one of my auctions, and what I know about you is that you have some very high standards and very high ethics. And and I remember a particular auction where you just said to your clients, "Nup, that's our limit. We're not be going beyond that." So I can personally vouch for obviously um, the fact that you do act on the buyer's best interest. Uh, whereas sometimes some of the buyer's agents act on their own best interests. Well, like some a, agents, right? Well, I think it's the difference of being paid a flat fee, yeah. regardless of what the price of the property is, compared yeah. to the more I pay for that property that you purchase, the more I get paid, which is like a conflict of interest in my opinion because that's a percentage of the purchase price. Correct. As opposed to just a flat fee, regardless of the walkaway price. So <clears throat> I think that that's... That's an important distinction in buyer agents and buyer advocates out there is that there's a difference in what they charge. Yep. And there's the flat fee, affordable fee, or there's a percentage of the purchase price, which when you think about a first-time buyer, how much that does in, eat into the deposit. Mm. Well, um, I think that's like that's helped a great deal, I think, for people and our, our listeners to understand and uh, really know what a buyer's agent or a buyer's advocate, you know, the two ch- terms are interchangeable as what you can do for them. So um, as always, you know, if anyone wants more info, they can reach us uh, through our, our email and we'll reach out to Jody. Um, guys, any anything that's popped up during the week, any questions that have popped up from any of your own clients that you wanted to talk about before we finish up today? Just the... Um Nothing, nothing major at the moment. I mean, it's all. I think we just need to get through this yeah, interest think, rate. Uh, yeah, I think the last couple of weeks it's all not smooth sailing, but nothing's really changed. Yeah, there's been no massive news. You know, if if there'd been a if there'd been an interest rate increase or an interest rate decrease, I think we'd be even today, a day after, our phones would be running hot with questions and what's going on and yeah. things have changed, why and whatever. But I think because uh, from my end, things are pretty much, you know, we want to buy and we've got our thing in, 
you know, we've got our, you know, money all sorted, but mm. we can't find anything. Which <laughs> is know, the biggest that's problem. What I'm yeah. get, that's what I'm getting, right? Yeah. And I just say, look, be patient and, you know, just stick to your thing. You can Every week you save a little bit more and, you know, what, what can happen, you know? Something will come up. And I think even we're like early spring by now, you know, we probably should have seen a lot yeah. more properties on the market, yeah. but they're just not there. And no. I think people are still just holding back. Um, and I think therein lies potentially, you know, a problem for a vendor that wanted to make a move because it is still a good environment for selling provided you price property correctly to the market. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so true, isn't it? I think the biggest pain point for a buyer is understanding the budget that they've been pre-approved for but then trying to match what suburb they can buy in based on that budget. And I think that with, you know, evidence-based information regarding reports of what things have sold for and being able to demonstrate what you can afford in certain suburbs is, is where they find kind of confidence in moving forward. And yeah. I think that's the blockage uh, for a lot of people is where can I buy? I know where I like to live, yeah, know yeah. my lifestyle, but I've been pre-approved for this amount. Am I going to be able to buy in that suburb? And that's where, you know, giving evidence-based information and reports yeah. of what they can afford to buy in a particular suburb is the greatest value and information that they can they can yeah. to move forward. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent advice. Um well, guys, it was a pleasure to have you, Jody. Um, we're going to have you back because we still need you to talk about uh, vendors' advocacy and uh, and what you can do for our vendors. And uh, Joe, of course, always a pleasure seeing you. Um, but we will uh, probably have a couple more podcasts before the end of the year, yep. fill you in on what's going on. But for now, guys, it's uh, it's goodbye from us all. Um, I'm Max Pisano, and I'm signing off. And Joe, yeah, and I'm Joseph Pisano, and I'm signing off too. Thanks, Jody. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.